Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 11th. Today we are reading from the big book. We are at page 79 in the second full paragraph. Today's readers are Deb W., Kim, Marsha, and Paula. OA preamble, oh, I'm sorry, the reference number for yesterday, Monday, December 10th is 3478, 3478. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anne-Marie to read the 12 steps, please. Hi, this is Anne-Marie, Recovered Compulsive Eater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our life over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of persons, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. <clears throat> 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. <coughs> Excuse me. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive leaders and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I will now ask Melanie to read the 12 traditions, please. Oh, good morning, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups 
or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big, books, big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 679 and we are in the second full paragraph. I will ask Deb W. to begin reading, please. Hi, Christy. Good morning, Vision for you. My name is Deb W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God. Usually, however, other people are involved. Therefore, we are not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. A man we knew, we know, had remarried. Because of resentment and drinking, he had not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life, had secured a position, and was getting his head above water. It would have been impressive heroics if he had walked up to the judge and said, Here am I. I'm going to stop there. Actually, I want to back up. The, the paragraph before, it talks about um, there are some general principles which we find guiding, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing no matter what the personal consequences may be. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. Um, I really love the, we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing. 
Um, you know, this is not about grandstanding. When you're taking your ninth step, when you're following through and cleaning up your past and 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 making reparation where where it's needed, um, it's not about grandstanding. It's about humbly accepting um, your responsibility for what you've done. It's not about, you know, blaming anybody else. It's about focusing on you, what your part is, and you do that with a recovered sponsor. You don't do it on your own. You don't think inside your own brain. You you bounce it off other recovered people. And, and I just love how we're going to talk about that in the next paragraph, um, what it was that um, he wound up doing. But it's all about um, humility. I just love that. And we ask for direction. We ask God. We ask our, our recovered sponsors um, what it is that we need to do next. And God will reveal the next right thought and the next right action. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? You'll need to press star one to unmute. Good morning, it's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Hey, Christy. Good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Usually, however, other people are involved. Therefore, we are not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. Um, you know, some of these amends can be quite uh, delicate and need the counsel and the guidance and the direction. Uh, you know, yes, we ask God, but we also uh, consult with those who have trudged this same journey um, because this step takes good judgment because we do not want to harm other people. We want to be hard on ourselves, but we always want to be considerate of other people. Uh, there is a careful sense of timing, meaning we have to be properly spiritually developed in order to do this. That means that we have gone through the steps and we have the proper perspective and attitude in order to engage um, in some of these situations. So there is a careful sense of timing, also considering other people. Uh, it takes courage. <laughs> it takes courage. You know, courage is not the lack of fear. It's mastery of fear. You know, do we have that uh, communication with our higher power in order to have that courage and that strength and that direction to do what we need to do in this step? And, of course, prudence, meaning if the time is right, if the good judgment is there, if we got our courage under our belts, then let's get to it. Um, you know, this this particular story continues, so I will stop there. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Mm, thank you, Leah. Hi, good morning. This is Melanie. Melanie, go ahead. Hi, thank you, Christy. It's Melanie, compulsive overeater here. Um, uh, it would have been impressive heroics if we had walked, or okay, anyway, I'm kind of stuttering over this. 
what I wanted to share about is here I am. I have done that over and over and over again. So this is a bit of a true confession type of situation. I um, felt like and thought truly in the core of my being that completely confessing was the way to purge whatever it was that was hanging on to me. And it was the best way. Just you know, I interpreted this idea of rigorous honesty that I learned in um, recovery to mean just that. That's the best that I would do consulting myself. And I want to be real frank here and say that when I would pray in my self-sufficiency and say, God, you know, please show me the right way, and I would pause for a moment, and I got this idea, yes, you just purge everything, you say it completely right out there, I then determined that was God telling me how to do things. Oh, my gosh, am I in hot water here? And by no mistake, I was born after the 12 and 12 <laughs> was written, and it talks about it on page 86. It does not lighten our burden when we recklessly make the crosses of others heavier. And then the next paragraph talks, gives me some instruction. Do we instantly confess our irregularities to the firm? Um, are we going to be so rigidly r righteous about making amends that we don't care what happens to family and home? Thank goodness I have those instructions. So if I were on a desert island someplace and I only had this big book, there's going to be you know, even a little bit better chance that I'm not going to do something that's going to create more harm. That's always the thing here is that I'm not going to harm anybody else. And the other one is I read this in, in AA literature and it talks about um, some of these actionable, legally actionable in, uh, incarcerating kind of ideas. And that is um, if I'm incarcerated, how am I going to be um, um, able to pay that alimony, to pay that child support, and so therefore entering into a relationship with someone else that I can discuss this with a recovered, you know, compulsive overeater or an attorney, that kind of stuff, you know, just a great place to consider pause again since the truth of the matter is, is that my thinking and my actions brought me here, and I'm still under that, that magnifying eye of somebody else, hopefully, that will guide me because I'm not quite there to be able to, to rely on myself, even in interpreting God's will for me. I just wanted to pass that on, and with that, I pass. Mm, thank you, Melanie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Janice. Uh, Janice, and then I heard Anne-Marie, so why don't you go ahead, Janice? Thank you, Christy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Don't you just love the big book? Here they're going to give us a, an absolute story, a true story, a true story, and give us an example of these kinds of things that happen in Step 9. And what's this one going to be about? You know, it reminds us, and thank you, Deb, for reading some of that paragraph before because it reminds us that we are willing to go to any length. We are willing to go to any length. And we are we're in this spiritual mode now where we're asking for the strength and the direction, but we're still doing, we're still having the experience. We're still having these step nine experiences because these are the ones that are going to absolutely transform me. And they did, and they did. So it says, if we were all by ourselves and only had ourselves to think about, that would be one thing. But usually other people are involved. Usually other people are involved. And if indeed I am praying that the bondage of self be removed, 
that it's not just me, myself, and I that I'm worried about anymore. You know, now we're starting to go out and repair things that happened with other people. You know, we've gotten right with ourselves. We've gotten right with God. And hopefully now we're going to be able to get right with other people. And so here's the situation. Here's this man. Can't you just picture it? Here's this man. He was a horrific alcoholic, you can tell. Lost his wife. Lost everything. But now he's on the right path. He's remarried. He's got a job. He's commenced our way of life. And there's his ex-wife. There's his ex-wife. And he had shirked his responsibilities, had not seen it through the way he should have. So now he's going to have to face that. He's going to have to make some step nine amends and face that. But will he face that if he just walked up to the judge and said, okay, here I am. Would he be a hero? Heroics, it says. He shows up at the judge and says, okay, here I am. going to face the music. Well, perhaps that might not be the right way. We don't know that yet. The story is going to unfold. But it would be the bondage of self. It would still be all about me if I never considered the other people involved. So this step is reminding me right here, right now, there are other people involved. And that if I'm going to commence this way of life, this 12-step design for living that works under all conditions, I'm going to have to think about the other people. I'm going to start to think about the other people. And so the story will unfold. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anne-Marie, go ahead. Good morning. This is Anne-Marie, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Um, I have a tendency to be impulsive. So I read this one sentence here. Therefore, we are not to be hasty and and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. I appreciate reading that because, you know, I'm not alone in this character defect of mine of being impulsive and God has placed people in my life to help me with this to help me talk things through so that I don't go out and do more harm than what I've already done so for me you know this uh, step is not to be done by myself Um, um, I talked to my sponsor prior to um, each amends. Um, well, I wouldn't say each amends. I, to be honest, there's a couple of them that I, you know, prayed before. I, the opportunity presented itself. I prayed, and um, and I knew in my heart it was the right time. But I cannot just go ahead and do as I please, when I please. Um, this, And like I said, I appreciate it because I am not alone in having this impulsive type of character defect. Thank you. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Well, let's move on to the next one. Kim, would you please read that next paragraph? Thanks, Christy. We thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary. But if he were in jail, he could provide nothing for either family. We suggest that he write his first wife, admitting his faults, his faults and asking forgiveness. He did, and he also sent a small amount of money. He told her what he would try to do in the future. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Of course she did not, 
and the whole situation has long since been adjusted. Um, good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And this chapter, this paragraph is beautiful because this talks about the difference between all those apologies I made in the past and what an amends is. Because all my apologies in the past were, yeah, I'm really sorry for treating you like crap, but then the next day I would treat you like crap. I'm really sorry, boss, that I was I was late for work three days in the past week, but then I would be late three days in the next week. I'm really sorry that I, you know, stole money out of your purse, Dad, but then, or my purse, my mom, and then, you know, a couple months later I needed money and I would take money out of the purse. You know, so he's saying here, you know, he's willing to do anything that's necessary, but he's going to his, his ex-wife, he's admitting his fault, admitting what he did wrong, letting her know specifically what was his side of the street and asking forgiveness. But then he's also saying, I'm going to make reparation. So he's giving her a little bit of money, and then he's also saying what I'm going to do in the future. So when I make my amends, it's about admitting my fault. But then we talked in the aftershock yesterday a lot about living amends. It's that I can't apologize and continue to do that same behavior. I can't apologize and then not make right what I did wrong. So he's saying here, this is what I did wrong. I'm gonna I am now making that action step right now to give you a little bit of money for that reparation. And this is my commitment. This is my commitment so that I will continue to right this wrong. And it says the whole situation is long since adjusted. Well I am sure if he apologized and didn't give her money, it wouldn't have been adjusted. And I'm sure if he had promised to give her money in the future, the whole situation wouldn't have been adjusted. You know, there's a saying that I heard a couple of years ago that so hits me, and it says, your actions are so loud, I cannot hear a word that you are saying. So these amends are important, but it is our actions behind those words that are give, going to give these amends depth and weight. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you. Well, you know, I was just thinking... Uh, and I'm going to go right back just a bit to the paragraph. He had commenced. Now, here we, here we see a beginning, a way of life, had secured a position, and this part was getting his head above water. In other words, he wasn't out of the water yet. He was getting his head above the water. He wasn't under the water either. Here. So here we have, he's now breathing. And he said, we, he, we thought he ought to be willing to do that, if necessary. Now, if that was necessary. But, you know, this part. We suggested he write his first wife. How many suggestions I've heard? Have I followed through on them? As Kim stated, no. No, I didn't. Did I really feel regret? Did I really forgive? Well, this is where it is. This is proverbially what we say, put your money where your mouth is. And that's what he did. He backed it up with an action. He sent a small amount of money. No. Notice it says a small amount. didn't say he sent a large amount. Remember, he was beginning here. But here he went on, and he told her what he would try to do in the future. So see, before the words, or with the words, was an action. And that's what it is. To say it, to say it, how many things we've said. And as it says in the big book, mm, would make a skeptic of anyone, wouldn't it, though? how many times the words I'm sorry were said, but no action to back it up because it was repeated. 
Was there really a sorrowful regret? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. To say forgiveness, but to live in forgiveness of the other. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Of course she did not. That word, of course, she did not. But she saw something. She saw his life has changing. The beginning was taking place and taking hold. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Well, I'm Christine. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'll jump in here uh, because there are some words that are jumping out at me. And in that paragraph, we thought, we suggested, he did, he told her, he said. And what that reminds me of is, um, you know, an experience I had where, you know, or in, in my in recovery, you know, my experience is that I don't try to figure this out on my own. You know, we thought, we suggested means that he talked about this with other people. He talked about this with other people. And, you know, for me, always best to do that. Always best to run it by other people. You know, I, um, you know, certainly have a sponsor I work with um, on a daily basis. However, you know, I remember, you know, with one amends in particular that, you know, delicate situation, you know, in addiction, um, you know, certainly I got myself into a lot of trouble, but by stopping eating and by working through these steps, you know, one through eight up to this point, one through eight up to this point, you know, there was a lot that, uh, you know, came flooded back to me. You know, a lot of memories. If you want to know what you're eating over, stop eating. You know, stop eating. And if you want to know why you were eating in the first place, you know, look at step six and seven. Um, and if you want to know who you harmed in the process, you know, look at step four. I mean, you know, I had a, you know, a number of steps behind me that um, brought a lot of things that were in the dark recesses of my mind to light, to the forefront. And, you know, I had the luxury of grabbing a couple of people who were also fellows, you know, trudging the road of happy destiny with me. And, you know, they were willing to meet me at a coffee shop and I was able to lay some, you know, one in particular, um, you know, that was in the dark recesses of my mind. I could, I could talk about openly with them. You know, openly. I could talk openly about this particular situation with people that, I mean, you know, I'd never talked about this kind of stuff with. And I could ask them what their thoughts were. You know, what are your thoughts? Should I make amends? Would this harm the other person? I'd like to think that every single amends that I was faced with would harm the other person. Therefore, I shouldn't make the amend. You know, whatever it was, I could twist it and turn it so that, you know, I'm pretty sure if I said anything, this would harm the other person. You know, I, I was on that end of the spectrum, and I was on the other end of the spectrum, of course, walking up and saying, here I am, to the judge. You know, that's me, you know, one extreme or the other. Um, even if I can twist it around and say, you know, I'm doing this because it's going to save me from the depths of my disease, you know, I can justify pretty much anything. And so what was really important for me to do is to make sure I was checking this out with other people. And, and you know, as is the case, not just with my sponsor, but with fellow, you know, fellows in recovery I could talk to about this stuff and just say, here's what I'm faced with. What would you do? What is your feedback? And these people 
were not at all attached to the situation. You know, they didn't have any emotional response to it because I did. They could be completely objective. They could be objective and they could apply, you know, the big book to my situation. And, and, you know, we could talk about it over, you know, cups of coffee at a coffee shop. And, and I was asking them sincerely what I should do. And that's what this paragraph reminds me of, is that that's what we do. That's what I did. And, you know, I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to do that. And with those of you who don't have, you know, perhaps other people trudging the road, you know, you've got you know, hundreds of people on a phone list, and if you want to hang out after the meeting, you can get some of those numbers and do that same thing. You can have coffee in your respective homes or water or whatever. So um, I'm just really grateful that I've got other people on the path with me today. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph? It's Monica. Monica, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We suggested he write his first wife admitting his faults and asking forgiveness. He did. So I, here he was, this guy is following directions. And I just wanted to point out, you know, this book is full of directions for us to follow. And many times they use the word suggestion, you know, because I don't know about you all, but boy, I never like being told what to do or how to do anything. But you know, it's also suggested that you wear a parachute if you're going to jump out of a plane. So he's following directions. And uh, I just wanted to point that out. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? It's Irimi. Irimi, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Irimi, a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. So he's starting to recreate his life. You know, he's starting to get the ball rolling. He's starting. He's starting to change and to improve um, himself by doing the right thing. It's a new way of living, and this is how we are healed, by walking the talk. And with time, we are healed. So action is needed to make the amends come alive. And then others had to see how we have been changed. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Wittimi. Anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Let's move on to the next page, page 80. Marsha, would you please read that first paragraph for us? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. If we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, asked God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. I think I should probably go on to the next. This brings to mind a story about one of our friends. While drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. 
In fact, his rival was ruined. This brings to mind uh, a lot of incidents that could possibly um, implicate other people uh, in, in our wrongdoing. And what we need to do is very delicate. And that's why we have to consult with others and get, and we have to obtain permission of the, the, the other people or person who might have been involved in this. Um, this is our inventory. This is our side of the street that we have to, that we have to clear. This is our, um, our responsibility to take responsibility for our part. It's not our responsibility to clear away the wreckage of others' past or to implicate them or cause harm. Um, very delicate. It's, we, we have to bring God into it. We have to bring our sponsors or, or other trusted people with it. And we have to do what we have to do, even if it means just taking sole responsibility for something. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marsha. Would anyone else like to share on these paragraphs? It's Monica. Monica, go ahead. Thank you once again. Uh, before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. We have obtained permission, have consulted with others, asked God to help, and the drastic step is indicated we must not shrink. So again here, we are given explicit directions here for us to work through this process of getting ready to make a direct amends. These are not things that we jump into without talking with anybody, without preparing for it, without praying about it. Because, you know, we've spent our lifetimes going off half-cocked doing things and regretting things later. And now we're not wanting to cause any further harm to anybody. And that's, you know, the other part of step nine is, you know, we make, we make a amends, but in those places where we might hurt someone, uh, we do something differently type of thing. So here they're telling us, you know, you need to do these things, okay? This is not something you do all by yourself. You do it with your sponsor. You prepare with your sponsor. You get permission of other people if other people are going to be involved in what you're going to be doing here. And, you know, most importantly, you pray to God. You ask God for his help, his wisdom, his words before you do in this. And then the drastic step is indicated. We must not shrink. That means, you know, hop to it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Monica. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Yes, good morning. Uh, this is Lisa from South Jersey. Welcome, Lisa. Go ahead. Yes, um, I just wanted to share um, that this step has always been um, so terrifying for me. And I was reminded yesterday, and I wanted to share this for other people who are just starting or hear this and think, oh, my God, how can I ever, you know, go back? It's one day at a time and one step at a time. 
I mean, I'm nowhere near step nine, so I don't have to. This is just so wonderful hearing all this information and getting instruction, And but I'm not there yet. And for me to focus on the step that I'm on, and if I put my focus one step at a time, as honestly and thoroughly as I can, if I'm willing to go to any length, by the time I get here at step nine, then, you know, it won't be so terrifying, I don't think. Or maybe it will, but I'll have enough support and um, willingness to go through it anyway. So I just wanted to to share that for any uh, newcomer who might be on the line trembling in their boots, um, one step at a time. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? It's Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. If we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, ask God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. So the big book is very precise here in directing the reader as to how to go about this. You know, if we obtain permission, obviously this is a story of uh, someone where it would implicate other people. So obtain permission, have consulted with other people, as was previously commented on. My best thinking got me here. I better sit down with some recovered fellows and lay this kind of stuff out on the table and receive some direction. Because, um, you know, the big book tells me I may think I have a connection with God at this point, but, you know, that connection is... uh, pretty new and you know when we're first attending to these these ninth step amends and it may lead to some absurd actions on my part so i better discuss this with other people people who have insight people who have integrity people who have trudged the road um it's great that i'm now taking uh, responsibility for my actions and it's great that I'm taking responsibility for the consequences of my behavior but I do need to consult with other people who have trudged this road and who have the emotional maturity the stability and the good judgment to guide me properly ask God to help uh, rem- remembering that um, when we wrong people we're really wronging God The whole process of these steps is to bring me into proper relationship, into alignment with God. So I'm going to seek his help. I need some courage here because this thing is making me shake in my boots. I need some strength, please, God. You know, this is new. This is new behavior for me. This is new stuff for me. Uh, So, of course, we seek God's help. And the drastic step is indicated, meaning that after all these directions have been followed, the drastic step is indicated. It's drastic, yes, it may seem severe, but you know what? The big book teaches me that the program of of action, though it's entirely sensible, is pretty drastic because it means I'm going to have to throw some lifelong conceptions and ideas out the window. I'm doing something new. This program of recovery is transforming me from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. It is drastic. But so is sticking my fist down my, you know, down bags and cartons and containers and, uh, you know, and in acts of self-destruction. That's drastic too. This is drastic, yes. 
It's indicated we must not shrink. Shrink means to flinch, to draw back. The program of recovery is going to mature me. It's going to be put me in places where I am going to have to, and I did have to do this, you know, uh, take responsibility for who and what I was at that time. You know, I had to come forward and say, this is who I was, and because of my actions, I harmed other people, and I'm here to take uh, responsibility for that and apologize for that and take actions to rectify that. Um, you know, but it's a beautiful process. This is a spiritual process of rebuilding us uh, through through these steps. But I can't delay, I can't shrink back. You know, I can't say, oh, let bygones be bygones, you know, or uh, we rationalize that our past is behind us and there's no need to stir up trouble by bringing up issues from the past. These are some of the delaying tactics that we use. You know, we fantasize that amends for past mistakes are unnecessary. All we have to do is change our current behavior. But that's not what the big book teaches me. The big book teaches me that I must take care of the these past behaviors of mine and the consequences that uh, occurred because of them, because I want to live free today, but I can't live free today on December 11, 2012, if I'm still dragging what occurred, you know, in, in March of 1983 with me. So the big book takes care of my past. God takes care of my future so I can live free today. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. So in this story, one of the things that jumps out on me was while drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival. So what we're looking at here is I'm guessing if this alcoholic was anything like me, a lot of fear, a lot of economic insecurity, a lot, you know, there were reasons. He had rationalized why he hated this business rival, bitterly hated this business rival. But here he is, commencing this new way of life. And what's he going to do about that? What's he going to do about that? You know, these are some pretty strong memories here for him about what he had done, about what he had done. And I'm sure if he's anything like me, he could have rationalized and minimized and justified what he did in comparison to what the other person did. You know, it was, it was a great one for doing that. Well, I wouldn't have done what I did if they hadn't done what they did. If they weren't who they were, I wouldn't have had to have done what I did. You know, and, and blame, blaming the other person was just a way for me to discharge my own pain, my own discomfort with my own actions. But why am I going to do this? Well, if I don't, chances are I'm going to pick up again. I'm going to pick up again. It's going to drive me back to that place where all of a sudden that first compulsive bite seems like, seems like the best idea I've had in a long time. And I don't want to go back there. And there, there is a driving force at work in me now, a willingness at work in me, because it says we cannot shrink from this. And I believe 
these first 100 alcoholics who wrote this book from their own personal experience, that they have lived this. They're just not writing stories down for me. This was someone's experience. And in reading about those experiences, I can grab hold of that. And I could say, if they could do that, then I can do this. If they got this wonderful spiritual transformation, don't I want that too? And am I not willing to do whatever it takes to get to where they are? Because they had something I did not have. There was a peace and an ease and a comfort in the way they were living their days and an integrity in their actions. And I wanted what they had. And so I was willing, I was willing to consult with others. I was willing to pray and ask God to help me. No matter what, what step was indicated. You know, and he used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. That kind of situation happened to me, where I used my wrongdoing and rationalized and minimized and justified and destroyed another person the way, other, the way my friends thought of someone else. I went around behind her back using what she had done as a way of discrediting her. And I had to go back and make that right. I had to go back and make that right. But I was willing. Was it easy? No, it was not. But am I ever so glad I did? Absolutely. Because I don't drag that around with me anymore. I made right what I could. I took the action that I needed to take. You know, even when I couldn't see how I could make it right. But other people could help me with that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on what was read before we move on? I will take that as a no and ask Paula to please begin reading. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Over Eda. He felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? Now, I could go on, but I'm going to stop right there. But he didn't. He wasn't stopping in the day. He was going to all the outcomes This could happen, that could happen. Only God could know what what could happen. So his trust and reliance had to be on God here. Not on what he would think would happen. Because that would keep him right where he was. But he says here, and this is another thing, he felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. And the answer is he couldn't. God could. God could. He just had to trust, no matter what the outcome, if he went in with God, he would come out with God. And then it's, he ends with the question, how could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? Whoa. Yes. But what is it saying about him? Could he do this? Again, The way I begin, I will end. 
only with God at his side, and also with other people that trusted God and relied on God, that shared with him and came beside him. So with that, I will end. Thank you very much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Patricia. May I share? Sure, Patricia. Go ahead. Um, he felt, okay, he felt that he could that he could not possibly write this. Okay, he was afraid. And then he was also um, was afraid about his own take away his means of living. So he was also afraid of him for his own self. And this kind of goes back to page 62 um, where it talks about the, I believe it's 62, where it talks about, you know, that we, the the fear, the self-centeredness, self-seeking, you know, it's all about us still, you know. And we have a disease, and our disease does that all the time. I mean, it doesn't just magically disappear. We have to keep on working at this in order for this to um, stay where it belongs, talk to our sponsors, pray, keep our spirits, keep our lives spiritually fit in order not to go back. Patricia, I think we lost the connection. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? And we can have Patricia join us in a minute, hopefully. Yeah, I don't know what just happened. It started talking. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead, Patricia. We can hear you now. Oh, uh, yeah, because the conference started talking. Um, well, I was saying how he felt. He felt that he could. He had done a wrong he could not possibly right, and then he was afraid. And then he 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 was also afraid that he would take away his means of living. You know, this goes back to you know where where. We're we're um, self-centered, self-seeking. You know, it's all about us again. And I have to remember that I have a disease that keeps me there. My eating is just a sample. It's just scratching the surface of my real problem. You know, on page sixty-two and and, and also on sixty-three, we're, we're the actors and we're trying to direct everything. So again, we're still in our. He's still in his disease. We're still in our disease. And unless we stay close to our sponsors, close to our program, close to God, we will never get past this, past this selfishness, past this fear, you know, even even doing the ninth step, because this is an ongoing thing all the time. It's easy. You know, I had an experience the other day where I fell right back into my selfish, self-centeredness, and it was like, oh, my goodness, you know, my old behavior just shot back at me. It didn't last long but long enough to do some damage to my family, and it was like, what in the world, you know? So I have to be very careful, and we are, you know, so anyways, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Patricia. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? You can press star one to unmute. It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. Just, you know, as we read this paragraph, it just reminds 
me, reminds us that we have to be sure to remember that we can't buy our own peace of mind at the expense of other people. Um, You know, this gentleman is going through. He felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly write. Well, you know, I'm on the action committee. You know, God is on the results committee. You know, I just do the next right thing. I can't, I have no crystal ball. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Just what, you know, let me follow the directions that the big book offers me. Let me consult with a recovered sponsor and let the outcome be God's work. You know, he felt that he had done wrong. He could not possibly write. We don't know that. We don't know that. We just have to know what is in our domain to to do. If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take his away his means of livelihood. I mean, that's a reasonable uh, concern. You know, that's reasonable. So the big book is teaching me that recklessness and haste might create further injury that this is something I just can't run into. Remember, our best thinking got us here. You know, this impulsivity and this um, ability to, you know, be great creators of disharmony. (laughs) We have that reputation. So we need to take some time to analyze and the involvement, the potential loss that it might, that might occur to other people. Um, you know, what right had he to involve those dependent upon him? Again, you know, as we've learned, certain situations require special consideration and special timing. They all require good judgment, and they require, you know, prudence and consultation. I mean, there is there is no doubt about that because we can't lighten our own burden and recklessly make the crosses of others heavier. You know, it can't be at the end of an amends that I'm sleeping better at night, but but <laughs> the person I made amends to is now up all night. All I've done is transferred the problem over to them. I made them jealous. I made them upset. I destroyed their world. So this thing needs to be thought through. We're always hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph. This is Dana. Go ahead. Hi, this is Dana, recovered compulsive eater. Good morning, everybody. Love the reading, and I love what is being shared. And what it reminds me of is, it, it just remind, it jogs my memory back to step three, where it talks about the arch through which we pass to freedom. And this is passing to freedom. Um, this step frees me. It, it freed me and continues to free me when things come up again that I need to make amends for. And, um, you know, in terms of talking to other people, that's the gift that we have. It's a we program that we have others. Tripod of objectivity. Get several people. Talk it out with them before you go and make those amends. Sponsor and other fellow, you know, fellows in the fellowship who have had experience, recovered people who have gone through this before. I remember when I made my first set of amends, um, I was pretty young when I came to program, and I, I worked with my grandmother for many years in, you know, in the summer and in college in the summers and, and things like that. And I would, you know, aside from spending, you know, a quarter of the day in the bathroom, undressing so I can look in the mirror and weighing myself, they had a scale there, and and spending time on the phone and, and totally not spending the, the working hours, and then feeling pens and and staplers and all these all these things that I stole from them. And when I 
made, you know, when it was time to make amends, I realized, oh my God, I have to return these things. I have to give them back. And my, you know, my sponsor and the other people said, whoa, wait a second. You got to make amends to your grandmother, not to the place she worked at. And I went to my grandmother and my grandmother said, do not return those things. It would mortify me. And so the amend, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be. It was, um, it was done carefully so that, you know, it would have embarrassed her. It would have made, it would have made things worse. Like Leah just said, I would have transferred the problem. So the fact that, you know, and God is in charge. Uh, unfortunately, I don't always have a, you know, uh, it says, you know, in step 11, we sometimes have, you know, all sorts of, ab- of uh, actions and ideas when we're starting to develop this conscious contact with God. So that's why I have other people um, so that they can help me and guide me. And, um, you know, with prayer and guidance and willingness um, to be free, you know, we, we just do the next right thing. And I, I love what was said. You know, I'm on the action committee, not the results committee. That really frees me up as well. So I'm very grateful um, to uh, be a recover compulsive eater. This is really such, such, such a gift. And if there's anyone who's new, welcome, welcome, welcome. You've been handed a silver platter. Don't put it down. Thanks. Thank you. And what was your name again? Dana. Dana? Yeah, got it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you for sharing, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Deb W., are you available to read a vision for you? Great. If you would, thank you so much. No problem. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, 